you clearly experienced terrible, terrible trauma as a child. And one reaction to that kind of experience is really closing off one's world, you know, trying to build secure walls, safety. What do you feel enabled you to respond after your experiences with really what I would call such an open heart and also what I would call with such fierce determination to speak out against acts of injustice experienced by others? What do you feel allowed you to take that approach? I, I really don't know. I really don't do enough. Hmm. Welcome to Hudson Mohawk Magazine. January 27th is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. I'm Marsha Lazarus, and I'm sitting here with Regina Betts of Del Mar, New York. Regina, I believe we first met through the Jewish Feminist Brunch Group in Albany. Mm -hmm. I remember being struck, it was during a discussion about our careers, our professional life, and you were talking about your first off-Broadway theater job and what you were especially proud of. After I finished high school here, I went to Brooklyn College. I was encouraged to go to Summer Stock. And from there, I made connection and knew some people who worked at the Fort Street Theater that was funded by a man from the Midwest, David Ross. He did some new kind of shows. He even presented the, the book, a Jewish play. And I was lucky enough to get a job starting in the theater as a prop girl. And then what encouraged me was the fact that the producer-director, David Ross, had hired a number of, of actors that had been blacklisted, some well-known names, especially Morris Kanofsky, who was very well-known, and um, a number of others who had been blacklisted. They could not get jobs in acting, they were, they could not get jobs in movies, they could not get jobs in TV, and he hired them to be in the place, check-off place, and I was so proud to be part of this. It gave uh, meaning to being there. It meant a lot to me. These beliefs and these values that you clearly hold dearly were expressed throughout your career, because I remember you talking a little bit about the research you did on the Spider Woman Theater. And I was just, that intrigued me. I was wondering what that was and a, a little bit about what intrigued you about Spider Woman Theater. Their story as Indian women was um, very rich. Uh, I had worked in the theater department, and then I went to the English department. And in both uh, departments, I did some research on uh, the diversity of theater, 
the diversity of playwriting and the diversity of writing generally. Um, most of the time in the, in theater, it used to be that one one is, was taught the story of of theater. What predominated were the European theater. There was no mention of any kind of theater from Africa, even from Asia. Those were rich places. And then as far as English literature, most of it was silent for a long time on the contribution of non-European ancestors. So I introduced, I was not the only one. Francine Frank particularly was very instrumental as a dean in encouraging that production. I, I really respected her intensely. Regina, why did incorporating diversity in theater studies, in English lit studies, why did that matter so much to you? Because the voices were silent. Nobody knew of their existence. Regina, you and your husband were also actively involved in the civil rights movement. In fact, I understand that when you and your husband and four children were living upstate in Worcester in, in Otsego County, and you were teaching at SUNY Oneonta, you were instrumental in founding a local NAACP chapter. Can you talk a little bit about what it was that motivated that? After we had been there for some years, maybe three years, an event happened in, at SUNY Oneonta, which shocked me so. An older woman claimed that she had been attacked. Although her house was dark, she claimed the man was black. The police went looking, claimed they saw blood, but what it was, it was red paint. Somebody was painting. Hmm. Yeah, we, we read it in the paper, and my husband and I, we went to the meeting that night immediately. Because it was like, it was like Germany. Yeah. And what happened is that the police went the next day to ask the administration of the college to provide all the names of the black students. And the administrator gave them that information, although it was against the law. And that so shocked me, my husband, and some neighbors that we started, we met to protest. The case became known countrywide as the Brothers of the Blacklist. So out of that, we realized there was a group of us that we need a strong civil rights because this happened, and we needed a strong organization. And uh, the NSCP had the power of the, the name. And the uh, organization is still going. And there are still cases. Mm -hmm. There are cases all the time 
about young black men being arrested. The injustice remains. We recently passed the holiday celebrating Martin Luther King Day. I wondered if that commemorating Martin Luther King's legacy, his I Have a Dream speech, if that has some special significance to you. Oh, yes. What is meaningful to me about it is the fact that he was very moved by nonviolence. And there was a sort of simplicity of that belief. It's so simple to understand nonviolence. Why don't people believe in it more is a question. It's the way he explained, he expressed himself on equality that made him so meaningful. And that speech in Washington 